Well, good morning, church. How are we doing? It is Farm Show Week. That's right, milkshakes. Somebody always claps when we mention milkshakes. So speaking of milkshakes, at the end of last week, we actually still had 50 spots where we need people to help us make milkshakes. And we don't make milkshakes simply because we make fantastic milkshakes and they are fantastic milkshakes. But the reason that we make milkshakes is because that money comes back into our, our youth ministry as our, our, our youth ministry seeks to, to magnify Jesus, to proclaim Christ into the many, many lives that, that, that our youth ministry touches. And so if you can help us out with that need, there's information in your bulletin this morning. You can sign up online or even better yet, there is a table in our lobby where you can sign up as well. Today we are back into our series on the person and the work and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and and in our church. And I didn't say this last week, but let me say it now, that realize that this topic is big. It is really too big for us to even in the couple of handful of weeks that we have here, we cannot say everything that we could say about the Holy Spirit. And so if you wanna go deeper, if you want more, I wanna point a resource out to you. It is probably one of the most readable, one of the best that I've been able to find, absolutely aligned to the truth, but it's Francis Chan's book called Forgotten God. Actually a resource that our teaching pastors are using as well. So to get us up to speed from where we were last week, let me circle back and then connect that to where we are going this morning. Last Sunday we looked at the scriptures that run from John chapters 13 through 17, and there we find this final conversation that Jesus has with his disciples before they watch Jesus be taken, be betrayed, and as Jesus is taken, he is mocked, he is beaten, he is tortured, he is crucified. And it's in that final conversation that Jesus has with the disciples where he is saying, guys, this is incredibly important stuff that you have to know. And what does Jesus in that conversation come back to over and over and over and over and over again? What's he come back to? It is the centrality and the criticality of the Holy Spirit. Who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit does, the criticality and centrality that the Holy Spirit has to play in the lives of those following Jesus. The criticality and the centrality that the Holy Spirit has to play in our lives. And so last week we made the point that that you as a follower of Jesus, if you are not living in, in the fullness of the presence of the Holy Spirit available to you in your life, if you are not living in the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit available to you, 
The Holy Spirit who is in you, the Holy Spirit who will never leave you, the Holy Spirit who is praying for you, the Holy Spirit who is freeing you from the power of sin, the Holy Spirit who is transforming you into the image of Jesus, the Holy Spirit who is producing fruit in your life. As a follower of Jesus, if you are not living in the fullness of that incredible promise, that incredible power, then it is as ridiculous as Bill Gates who is worth $85.5 billion. It's as ridiculous as Bill Gates with all the resources available to him, as ridiculous as Bill Gates living in a cardboard box behind the Y store. It makes no sense. So the question that we asked at the end of last week is, what do you want? And we ended our time together by by singing really as a prayer, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. So that was last week. And where we're going to go next week is we'll get more detail on exactly who the Spirit is, what the Spirit does, and we'll see things like the Spirit enables, and the Spirit empowers, and the Spirit reveals, and the Spirit gives good gifts, and the Spirit produces fruit. And so for, for this fuller rundown on what the Spirit does, we'll get there next week, but for today... I don't know if you can feel this, but man, it has been a tough week. Just to turn on the news. At home, we say, okay, let's watch the awful news. Massacre in Las Vegas. Ongoing suffering in Puerto Rico. Conflicts across the globe. Hate and disease and neglect, and broken systems, and sin, and death. And that's the news, not even to capture the unraveling and the pain in our own lives. Even in first service, I don't know if we said anything yet, but the power completely went out for like 30 or 60 seconds in here. We sat in the dark. We live in a broken, broken world. And the thing that I need to hear this morning is that the Holy Spirit brings life. And the Holy Spirit brings life in so many different ways. The Spirit brings cold, dead, sin-stained hearts back to life to allow your heart to see the beauty of Jesus. The Holy Spirit gives these gifts so that the church can step fully into her mission to magnify, to lift high Jesus, to proclaim Jesus, that it's only Jesus that gives victory over death. It's the Spirit producing fruit in your life so as you navigate your life situation and you have things like love and joy and peace, and you probably shouldn't have love and joy and peace in the face of that thing, that somebody rolls up to you and says, hey, what is your deal? And you can say, let me tell you about my Jesus, the one who has rescued me and delivered me to life. And so the way that the Holy Spirit brings life is by lifting high, by magnifying Jesus by bringing glory to Jesus, by highlighting Jesus, by making Jesus large. And that makes the Holy Spirit a gift to us. But we'll see this morning that that gift, that life, this Holy Spirit isn't just a gift to us. 
isn't just a gift for us. As I was looking for our big idea this morning, where I was this time yesterday was here. The Holy Spirit is a gift to us and ultimately a gift flowing through us. And I like this. Relatively short, which for me is awesome, right? So relatively short, kind of catchy, it actually rhymes. To us, through us. But then as I wrestled with this yesterday, I realized this doesn't go nearly far enough. And so our better big idea is this. As the Holy Spirit magnifies Jesus to you, that's the gift. Know that the Spirit will at the same time aim to magnify Jesus through you. And the question that then, that then flows from this is, this is the Spirit's agenda, magnifying Christ, is it yours? This morning coming to pray over us is Steve Guyon. I'll actually be reading our scripture because we've got so much to unpack today that we'd be here to three o'clock and I'm not going to do that to you. So I'll actually explain as I go, Steve, if you'll come and pray over us. Let us pray. Lord, it is my prayer for us as a church, for us as individuals, that we be led by the Holy Spirit. I believe your word clearly says that in the surrender of ourselves to you, the giving up of the control of our lives, the allowance of our, our very beings, our very spirit, to give it to you, to give it all to you, takes away that fear that we have of not being able to control everything and do everything on our own. I pray that we as a church and each of us individually is not afraid to let go and listen to the Holy Spirit. For we know that the Holy Spirit will only lead us one way, and that's there, our Lord and Savior Jesus and to the way of the cross, just as he led Jesus to the cross. I pray for us as, as a church and as individuals that the Holy Spirit will mold us into that person that you want us to be. And we certainly know that many times that process strips us of our selfishness, and, and this can be painful. But in so doing, your glory shines forth and your light shines forth in each of us. So I pray as we come together today that through Brian's word and through our own personal walk with our Lord and Savior that uh, there would be that surrender and that joy to, to run to you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Steve. This morning, we're going to start in Luke chapter 24, verse 44. The crucified Jesus does not stay dead. Three days later, later, after being murdered, he starts to appear to his followers, and they're not sure what's going on. And so the resurrected Jesus begins to explain, pick up the story in verse 44 of Luke 24. 
that he, Jesus, said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. The law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms, really the entire Old Testament, everything that occurs after Genesis 3 is this whisper, he is coming, he is coming, the rescuer is coming. Verse 45, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from dead on the third day. Bam, right there's the message, it's the gospel. How God has loved you through Jesus, through Christ's suffering and death and resurrection. Verse 47, it was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. Right, so there's the mission, proclaiming to all how God has loved us through Christ. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent, right? Forgiveness from sins, the gospel, again, the message. You are witnesses to all these things. So we have the message, we have the mission, but how are these disciples gonna pull this off? What is their power source? Verse 49, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 4. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Right? There's the power source, this promise, this gift. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you again with the power source. And you will be my witnesses again with the mission, telling people about me. That's the message everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so as the Holy Spirit falls upon these disciples in Acts chapter 2, people come running and the question that they're asking is, What can this mean? And so it's Peter who steps up to answer the question, and his answer is absolutely the gospel. Jesus died for your sins that you might have life, and we'll jump into Acts chapter 2 to see fully what Peter says. Acts chapter 2, verse 32, God raised Jesus from the dead. There's the message. We are all witnesses of this. As witnesses, they've got a mission now he's exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. Again, the message. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see and hear today. Right? Again with the power source. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be Lord and Messiah. Again, the message. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Back to the message. 
and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. And so the thing that I need you to see in these verses is how closely the gospel, how God has loved you through Jesus, how closely the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit, how closely those live together. How closely proclaiming the good news, magnifying Jesus, how closely proclaiming the gospel and and the Holy Spirit are connected. Are you able to see that in these verses? And so this morning, if you are here and you want Holy Spirit power in your life, it's through these verses that we just looked at that we know that the Holy Spirit gives power as the gospel is proclaimed, gives power as, as Jesus is lifted high, is glorified, gives power as Jesus is magnified. Which brings us back to our big idea and our question, as the Holy Spirit magnifies Jesus to you, know that the Spirit will aim to magnify Jesus through you, and then our question, this is the Spirit's agenda, is it yours? If you want Holy Spirit power in your life, this is the first question that you have to answer. Is it your agenda to magnify Jesus, to follow Jesus, to allow Jesus to loom large in your life, to be magnified in every aspect of your life? And so the follow-on questions that I would ask you, the follow-on questions that I ask myself is, How is Jesus being magnified through you at home? How is Jesus being magnified through you in your family? How is Jesus being magnified through you at your job? How is Jesus being magnified through you at your school? How is Jesus being magnified through you in your neighborhood? If you tell me, Brian, I'm not sure that Jesus is being magnified through me in my, and you fill in the blank. I've been struggling. My, my track record at best is spotty. And know that I am with you in this because I struggle too. But what you need to be reminded of, what I need to remind myself of, is exactly what we talked about last week. It is the Holy Spirit who is your advocate. It is the Holy Spirit who is the helper, who provides active assistance to you. The Holy Spirit is the one who is at work in your life, transforming you to be more and more like Jesus. And so for that transforming work to happen, Will you come back to these questions and say, the thing that I really want is I want Jesus to be magnified through me at home. I want Jesus to be magnified through me in my family, at my job, at my school, in my neighborhood. Because if you will sign on for this, wanting Christ to be magnified, to be glorified through your life, that's when life gets exciting. For these disciples that we just read about in the book of Luke, in the book of Acts, allowing Jesus to be magnified through them, it puts them in front of crowds, 
It puts them in front of the hurting and the broken. It puts them in front of authorities. It puts them in different countries. It puts them in danger. It puts them in prison. We see all of this playing out in the book of Acts. This, this absolute desire to magnify Jesus in every part of their lives. To, to follow Jesus. It leaves these disciples absolutely sprinting to keep up with where God is leading them next as they seek to allow Jesus to loom large in everything that they do, in every aspect of who they are. And that they don't immediately see where God is leading them. Right? This is the story that we have in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas are trying to figure out the Spirit's leading where they're supposed to go next to share the the gospel, and the Spirit leads them through a pretty powerful experience. Why does the Spirit lead them through a pretty powerful experience? Because Paul and Silas are wanting Jesus to be glorified through them. Let me give you an example from our church. Our MBIC leadership board, at our best, We are doing exactly this, trying to to keep up with where God is leading next, trying to discern what God is calling us to, discerning what else that we can do, how, how best we can magnify Jesus as we seek to proclaim and live out the good news of Christ through who we are as a church and through what we do as a church. As our church's ministry kick into high gear for this fall, our weeknight youth programming back into into full swing, our children's ministry is about to kick into overdrive on Wednesday, October 18th for our midweek programming. And I don't know if you have an, an idea of how vibrant our children's ministry is, but it is growing. On Wednesday nights, last year, we started the year with about 90 kindergarten through fourth graders. And we ended the year with about 120 K through fourth graders. When our our Wednesday nights come back here in about two Wednesdays, every single room in our dedicated children's ministry area will be utilized and spilling outside that dedicated area just to have space for those kids. On Sunday mornings, our second and third and fourth grades have outgrown their classrooms, so they are now in multi-use space that we have to set up and tear down each and every Sunday. Our kindergarten and first grade classes are close behind. They They are filling their current rooms. They tell me that if all of our babies were to show up on a Sunday morning, we'd have 36 babies in our nursery area. And have to figure out where to put them. God is obviously at work in our children's ministry through our great staff, through our great volunteers in that area. There is vibrant life and growth in our children's ministry. And so our leadership board here at Mannheim BIC, as they seek to lead us so that we are allowing the Holy Spirit to magnify Jesus through our church through our ministries, through our children's ministry, and into people's lives, into the lives of our kids, Leadership Board has been looking for the past number of months at preliminary building options. What does this vibrant life and growth in children's ministry mean for us 
as a church? Where is God leading us and how do we keep in step with where God is leading us, especially amongst our children's ministries? Because because these space challenges that Leadership Board is looking at, and we'll have more info on this in the, the coming weeks, but these space challenges, yes, they are space challenges, but they are way more than space challenges. As your kids are hearing about God's love for them wondrously displayed through Jesus, as our community kids are, are, are hearing about God's love for them wondrously displayed through Jesus, kids are impacted, families are impacted, lives are forever changed, and Jesus is magnified. And so real life example of our church wanting to magnify Christ and working through what that could look like. If we hop back to our big idea. The Holy Spirit magnifies Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit's agenda. Is it yours? See, the thing that we want as a church, we we want the Spirit's agenda to be our agenda. We want to see Jesus lifted high. We want to see him glorified. We want to see people find life in Christ. In our church's life, we want to see Jesus magnified in all that we do. What's it going to be in your life? Because you have to know how you answer that question. That's where the power lies. See, I'm convinced that that it's only as we see the beauty of what Christ has done for us That's when more and more we will want to, in gratitude, we will want to lift him up. We will want to follow him. We will want to magnify him in every part of our lives. And one of the ways that we help ourselves see the beauty of what Jesus has done for us, that it's Jesus who came to rescue us from our sin and our guilt and our shame. That it's through Jesus that God gives the followers of Christ victory over sin and death. One of the ways that we remember everything that Christ has done for us is through the elements of communion. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 25, that the Apostle Paul writes this. For I pass on to you what I receive from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. Our practice here at Mannheim BIC is what we call open communion. And what that simply means is is that if you're here this morning and you are a follower of Jesus and you are in good standing at the church that you are visiting us from, then you are more than welcome to join in as the bread and the cup come round this morning. For us, it is not about membership at Mannheim BIC, but rather it's about membership in God's kingdom. It is about a personal relationship with Christ. 
In a moment, our deacons will bring the elements to your row. And so as that tray comes, we invite you to take a piece of bread and then to pass that tray on. And then once that tray has been passed on, feel free at any point to partake of that bread. Jesus said, this is my body. And it's what we remember as we partake in this bread, his body broken for us. As these verses go on, we are instructed to examine our hearts, which simply means that we take a look inside of ourselves and we search out any unconfessed sin that might be there, and then we plead the blood of Jesus over that sin, knowing that his blood covers that sin. So let me pray for the bread. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. How you have loved us through your son. His body broken for us. His sacrifice for us that we may come and find life in you. So we thank you for Jesus. Pray these things in his name. Amen.